that, than most churches. And um, and so I wanted to share that with you real quick. Um, if you want to know a little bit about what we do, um, uh, this is kind of what we look like on a monthly basis. Um, we, we always are online at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time, which is 4 p.m. UK time. And uh, we do different things at that, at that time. We have a, a Zoom gathering where our groups of people join us and they participate and we have a good time encouraging each other. And then in our local areas, we do something usually in the evening uh, of those Sundays as well. And so um, the first Sunday we do a local worship gathering where we kind of get together and we'll start singing again. We haven't started that back up. That's going to start soon. And, but then also on second and third Sundays, we do what we call table groups, which is kind of our version of small groups. And then the fourth Sunday, which is today, is dedicated to what we call Serve Sunday. Um, and uh, it is an idea, one of our core values is the idea of service. And so, um, but because of the summer, we've kind of scaled back what that looks like. We encourage our table groups and our families to kind of live it out, to participate in it, to find ways to serve, uh, not in this big, grandiose kind of service project kind of way, but to find ways for them to do it. Um, a great example is uh, today, my oldest son um, is dog sitting, but uh, he went over and mowed those people's yards, uh, not asking for pay, just kind of did it. And I love that I, I didn't have to provoke him to do it. Um, he just wanted to do it because that's just who he is. He understands the concept of what it means to serve people. And I love that, right? Um, that's what we're trying to figure out how to do. And now don't get me wrong, we're not perfect in our family and we don't do it all well, but um, he's catching on to the idea of what it means to serve people without being asked to. So I love that. Um, but uh, but also today, um, even though we're not doing our Surf Sunday like uh, officially, uh, one of the other core values that we do is this idea of what it means uh, to grow. Um, we believe that, that God loves you where you're at, um, and we, we believe that wholeheartedly, but at the same time, He has a bigger plan for us and wants us to be people who, who continue to grow and, and continue to um, become more of what He intended us to be. And so... Um, we are in the midst of a series, um, our summer series called Campfire Stories. And uh, today what I want to do is we're basically kind of record this this uh, sermon, if you will. We don't have a lot of sermons, but just kind of it's going to be our podcast as well. But the idea that this will be um, kind of what we've been walking through. We're in Hebrews 11, and it's a, it's a people of faith. In Hebrews 11, if you've never read it, it's a group of people who throughout the Old Testament, New Testament are in there um, because of their faith and what it means for them to to represent faith and, and a challenge for us. And so we're looking at each individual story um, and just kind of challenging ourselves with how do how does our story fit with their story? But more importantly, how do we carry that story together into what we do every day and how are we stronger in our faith? And but also, how do we share that? And so um, we're in Hebrews 11, um, but today we're talking about a person named Enoch. Um, and I, if you've never heard the name Enoch, um, it's, there's a reason why, because it's a weird name, but also um, we don't know much about Enoch. Um, there's no acts of like, we don't know if he had these acts of spiritual courage or miracles or wonders. Um, we don't know if he was a bold or a reluctant leader. We don't know if he was a gentle man that um, had a heart of gold that was compassionate, or we don't know if he was strong and burly and you know your manly man kind of Samson kind of deal. We don't know any of his super qualities, okay? Um, but on the other hand, 
We also don't know any of his failures. We don't know any of his weaknesses. We don't know any of his vices. Um, We don't know if he had psychological issues. Uh, We don't know if he fought with his siblings, if he hated his parents, if he had bouts of depression, if he was made fun of in school, any of that kind of stuff, right? Um, We don't know much about this character. But we do know one thing. We know that he liked to take a walk. Um, And so, let's... uh, We'll start in Hebrews 11, um, where we find it, and, and this is where Enoch is in that hall of fame of faith, right? And so Enoch, he serves as a witness to the evidence of genuine faith. Um, just as Abel earns God's divine testimony as a righteous man, Enoch's walk remains an everlasting epitaph of one pleasing to God. We'll see that here in a minute. But like a stack of exhibits on a courtroom table, the evidence that unlikely heroes can reveal extraordinary faith keeps piling up. That's the thing we've been talking about as we've been walking through Hebrews 11. Um, It's a story of people who are ordinary. You know, sometimes we think of our heroes, the Hall of Fame, that they're these extraordinary people that have these extra gifts. But as we dive deeper into each of these characters, we recognize that they were human, that they made mistakes, big mistakes at times, we, when we know those types of things. Um, but they, there was nothing extraordinary about them other than that they chose to follow God. And so um, I want us to keep that in mind as we keep diving through this. And so let's, let's, um, let's read Hebrews 11 real quick where we see the reference to Enoch. And it's in Hebrews 11, 5 and 6. And it says this, It was faith. But by faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And then verse 6, And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And so, what we know about Enoch, very little, is that he pleased God because of his faith. Now, we find his story um, uh, of Enoch mentioned in Genesis 5, but it's not a great story. So like in Genesis 1 through 4, we get these grandiose stories of the creation and of all these other things that are happening, right? And these beautiful stories, um, and maybe not so beautiful, but these the gripping stories. But in Genesis 5, we don't get that. We actually get a, a, a genealogy. Um, it's with 10 patriarchal entries, so it's 10 men, um, and it's tracing Adam's line um, to Noah. Now, let's be honest, genealogies can be boring, right? Um, But there's something buried in this genealogy that's worth bringing out, a scene in this. And so, there's a, in this genealogy, there's a formula. Um, There's this formula that, that goes through these 10 guys, Here's where it goes. It says that A, the person lived X amount of years and fathered B. After A fathered B, he lived Y years and fathered other sons and daughters. So all the days of A was X plus Y, and then it ends with, and he died. So all um, 10 of those patriarchies that we see, those patriarchal men that we see in the genealogy of chapter 5, it follows this Formula. And so this genealogy, it links Adam to Seth and to Noah, but it also anticipates another genealogy that we'll find in Genesis 11, 
which is the line of Abraham. And so with the Jewish descendants, this was a huge genealogy in its importance. But in this genealogy, in Genesis chapter 5, the biggest line that we have in this formula is, and he died. Um, So why is it important? So earlier in Genesis, um, God tells the story of Adam, and he tells Adam that he would die. And so this genealogy, it affirms three immutable truths, three things that are true then and I think are still true now. The idea that that everyone sins, um, the wages of sin is death, that there is death in this world, and that everyone dies. I mean, there's not much, you know, debate about some of those, right? I, I get we can kind of debate a little bit about the idea of sin, what that means, but the idea that, that, that there's death in the world and that everyone dies is, is laid up in this genealogy, right? But when Enoch's name appears in the genealogy, we get something very, very different. So let's, uh, let's look at that. Let's, uh, it's a, Genesis chapter 5 will be in 21 through 24. So when Enoch had lived 65 years, okay, you, you remember that formula? Here it comes. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. Do you see that in this formula that the phrase, and he died, is not in there? And there's this this, this, con, this phrase, God took him away. Now, now if, we didn't under, if we didn't have Hebrews 11 yet and we read God took him away, we, we would think maybe this is a euphemism. Um, uh, that just simply talks about death, right? You know, it's just a, another way that God took them, right? We, we say that now. But because of Hebrews 11, we understand that God took him um, was the concept of before he died. So in the Bible, there are only two people who leave this earth without experiencing death. And it's not Jesus. It's Enoch and Elijah. And so we know a lot about Elijah and his story, and he had some incredible storylines, um, the things that happened to him. But Enoch, um, all we know is that one day he wakes up, maybe kisses Mrs. Enoch if she's still alive at the time, drinks his coffee, eats some pancakes with maple syrup, because that's the only way that you can eat pancakes. He meets God for his appointed stroll. And at the age of 365, he simply walks up to heaven. <laughs> what an incredible way to go, right? Um, what an incredible way to leave this earth. I don't know if you've ever thought of how you would like to go. You know, for me, I've always been into the, you know, the, like the, the movies, you know, where you go out into the wilderness, wrestle a bear or whatever. <laughs> you know, it's kind of silly. But, but the idea that you simply get up and you stroll with God and you just walk straight into heaven. Um. And so, um, Enoch is a man known for one thing and one thing only. He walks with God. And that's the sum and the substance of his legacy. He was commended, the text tells us, as having pleased God. And the simplicity of this is arresting, isn't it, right? Um, Enoch is pleasing to God because of a faithful walk. 
Now, I love the word walk here. It's frequently frequently used in Scripture to describe our spiritual lives. Uh, and I think it's an appropriate metaphor because walking in a step-by-step experience the way is the way we must live as Christians. The Christian life is not a leap-by-leap leap lurch. It's not living from mountaintop experience to mountaintop experience. It's daily. It's continuous. It's consistent. And it's an intimate relationship with the creator of the world. Um, and what we talk about at Common Thread is that it's also the incorporation of the mundane, right? Because a lot of times we think of what it means to be a Christian means that that, that I am this bold, elaborate person who walks on water, who heals this. You know, everything is always going right. But really, what it means to walk with God is the day in, day out. It's the it's the doing the, the small things. It's the consistent, continuous things of being in relationship or walking with God. And so, Enoch walking with God. It may be simple, um, but it's powerful. And let's compare it um, to other walks that we see in Genesis already, right? Let's look at the parallel of Enoch's walk with Adam's walk, Adam and Eve's walk, right? And, you know, Adam and Eve, you know, they have a regular evening appointment with God, a standing invitation to walk with Him in the cool of Eden's evening. We see that in Genesis three eight. And now we're never told whether the first human couple ever keeps that appointment, though they they likely do. Um, even after they disobey God by eating the forbidden fruit, God keeps the rendezvous. But Adam and Eve, riddled with the fruit or the guilt of original sin, hide in fear and shame, and they're desperately trying to cover their nakedness with with these these fig leaves that they've they quickly thrown together. Right, but when Enoch walks with God. We're reminded of God's appointment with Adam and Eve. God desires to walk with Enoch like he does with the first couple. The difference is that Enoch keeps the appointment. And what a difference that is, right? Um, and something to think about is that God always keeps his appointments, even with sinners, um, even with people that have chosen not to walk with him. He keeps it with Adam and Eve, though they choose to hide. When he finds a willing walker, in the man called Enoch, this ordinary man and God maintained their daily rendezvous for 300 years. God keeps his appointment with you too, always. And so uh, I just want to ask you, know, are you taking advantage of this, this, this choice or this divine opportunity? Do you recognize the ability of what it means to walk with God daily? That's, that's pretty powerful to think about. But now let's compare Abel and Enoch. Um, both men have a singular commitment to God, right? We talked about Abel last week. We understood what he did, but both and both are righteous recipients of God's approval, right? God, God, they're both in the Hall of Fame of Hebrews eleven, um, but their experiences of faith are very different, right? Abel obeys a very specific request, where Enoch, we don't know of a specific request other than the, the, the opportunity to walk with God daily. Abel's faced with a crisis because of his faith. Enoch, we don't know of any crisis that he faced, right? Abel gave up his life. He's cut down in the prime of his life, right? We would say he left this earth too soon, where Enoch lives a super long life with many sons and daughters, and he leaves this long life walking with God. So, let's think about Abel and Enoch. 
both examples of righteous faith. But the question is, which is harder to imitate, right? Um, so Abel makes a righteous choice and gives up his life. Uh, so I, could I do that, right? And, and the hero part of me, the man side of me, I think, um, the, the one that wants to be that hero, some, you know, thinks to me, you know what? I think I could do that. You know, I could, I could go out in an epic story of glory, right? You know, I, I, I want my faith. You know, how it seems to me, you know, I could do that. If, if I had, if my faith, if my life was on the line, and, and that I could, I could be like Abel, right? Um, but Enoch is totally opposite. He lives his entire lengthy life with this concept of spiritual consistency. So which is harder to imitate? You know, I would I would first, you know, think that Abel, man, that would be tough, right? Um, you know, if my life was truly aligned, could I do that? Um, but even in my short, in the long life here on earth, I've come to admire the concept of Enoch's 365 years of consistency, right? Um, my personal struggle in life, um, one of my greatest weaknesses, one of my greatest sins um, in life is consist- consistency. One saying it, consistency. <laughs> um, I'm great at starting things. But it's hard for me to stay consistent in finishing things. You know, consistency is studying God's word when my schedule is relentless. Um, Consistency is prayer when I feel emotionally or spiritually drained. Uh, Consistency is outreach when I'm already fed up to hear with people, right? You know, even as a pastor, you know, people, you know, they can get to you, right? Um, Consistency is giving when the needs seem endless and my resources seem like there's nothing left but yet I'm still called to give. That's the concept of consistency. And I always thought spiritual consistency would get easier with age. And then even as a pastor, but age and profession does not guarantee spiritual success. So I face these ups and downs all the time. So would I face a faith-threatening challenge like Abel? I would like to think so. But right now, um, my greatest challenge is daily, like Enoch, um, pleasing God through a faithful walk to the very end, day in, day out. In Abel, we were challenged to see that faith involves obeying God regardless of the consequences. In Enoch, we are challenged to see that faith involves a daily, continuous walk with God. It means hanging in there, having endurance day in, day out, step by step. It means starting well and finishing strong. And so with Abel, last week our question was, is my faith in God strong enough? And this week... Through Enoch, we get a question of, is my faith in God steady enough? So that's the question to think about for this week. Is my faith in God steady enough? Can I, could I last 365 years walking day in, day out with God? So walking with God, uh, the other thing I want to throw out as we close today is that in this concept of Enoch, it, 
in walking with God, it seems very singular. But as we see throughout the Bible um, and throughout creation, um, that life, we were meant to be communal. It's something we do together. Uh, And I want you to hear this. It's not cheating in faith to depend on other people to help you out. Um, The idea that we see in Scripture is that God made it is that where two or three are together, He is present, that we are stronger, that He sends people out together. And so I want to encourage you, um, if you're watching this, you're not a part of Common Thread, uh, find you a community. Find you a community of people that will lift you up day in, day out, in your walk. If you don't have that community, um, we, we are a 24-7 hybrid church without borders. So we would love for you to join us wherever you're at. We'd love to walk with you. Find out where you're, you're at in your faith, and we will come alongside you and help lift you up. But the challenge is that maybe we're called to be Abel's. Maybe we're called one day to, to put our life on the line because of our faith. But most of us, most of us are called to be Enoch's, right? The idea that that we are to have steady faith, that we are to be people who day in, day out, take advantage of what it means to stride, to walk with the creator of the universe. And we'd love to do that together with you. Um, And so that's the challenge this week as we wrestle with what faith looks like, is that faith um, is not just this one momentous occasion in our life. It is the day in, day out walk with God. Hope that gives you something to think about this week. Um, and I hope that your day and your week is filled with opportunities of seeing the divine walk with you as you're driving to work, as you're in line at the grocery store, as you're hanging out with your family, wherever it is. Know that that is a part of a faith that moves mountains. Have a great day. Grace and peace.